Today's discussion is the power of the gospel for faith and practice. First, let us look at the source of guidance and inspiration, the Bible. The Bible is living and is active. Hebrew 4 verse 12, it tells us more about the living Bible, the living world. It is inspired by God, 2 Timothy Chapter 3, verse 16. And it is given purpose of teaching, correction, training in righteousness, and reproof. The Bible is all about God's story and redemption centered on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That is the beginning of our discussion. So we all have to look at what the Bible tells us. Let's look at the gospel. The gospel is the power of God, Romans 1, verse 16. And that power is demonstrated not only in our past rescue and reconciliation and redemption, but also in our present faith, hope, and love. God reveals himself through his written word and his son, the word made flesh. The gospel is a message that reveals God's sovereign, the purpose and history to invite and unite all things in Christ. Truly, getting the gospel means we understand that the gospel is normative and supreme in God's dealings with us. Let's look at the power of the gospel. It has been less than two months since the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, after which for 40 days Jesus appeared to the disciples and others. Let's look at the book of Acts where all these things are revealed. The power of God is revealed, and the power of gospel is revealed. The book of Acts is most appropriate called the Acts of the Holy Spirit rather than the Acts of the Apostles. While the story follows the life and the ministry of many of Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, is the chief character and the actor in this story. The book of Acts is a beautiful picture of what happens when the Holy Spirit is at work in life of those who put their faith in Jesus. Let's look at Acts 1 verse 8. 
After 40 days, Jesus appeared to the disciples and others. He delivered his great commission once more time to his disciples. Then he ascended back to heaven. The disciples re-entered Jerusalem and about 120 gathered to pray. And they prayed. Peter delivered a short sermon and they selected Matthias to replace Judas. In Acts 2, verse 1, the Holy Spirit descended. Peter restored from fearful denial of Christ. He begins to preach one of the most powerful sermons in history of the church. Peter is bold as he preaches Christ and expounds multiple Old Testament passages. That day, some 3,000 souls added and that church age is ushered in. The church in Jerusalem is figuratively set on fire. It is therefore impossible to read the book of Acts without seeing the evident power of the Holy Spirit working through the first century churches. Not just in the miraculous sign, gifts, but in the daily witness of the churches. What evidence do we see in the early church of the work of the Holy Spirit? The same evidences set forth in a spirit-led church today. Let's look at the Acts 2, verse 42 to 43. Let's look at one, the fear of the Lord. We worship God for who he is. When we have a sense of awe and godly fear in the presence of God, we carry an awareness of his presence at all times and live obedience to him. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrines and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and prayer and the fear came upon every soul, Acts 42 to 43. In the fear of the Lord is a strong confidence and children shall have a place of refuge, Proverbs 14, verse 26. Let's look at the second issue. Fervent preaching. Biblical preaching that lifts up Christ and boldly declares the truths of the word is great need of the hour. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they were marveled and they took knowledge of them than they had been with Jesus. Acts 4, verse 13. Let's look at the doctrinal teaching. The word of God is vitally important. The early Christians saved at the Pentecost continued first in the apostles' doctrine. With the emphasis of doctrines, that is the clear teaching of the God's word, they continued in fellowship and prayer. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of the bread and prayer. Acts 2 verse 42. Let's look at fervent prayer. One of the overriding characteristics in the early church was prayer. Prayer was their source of power, comfort, courage, and hope, and it was an underlying force for their witness and growth. A church without frequent times of prayer is a church without power. 
These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Acts 1 verse 14. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. We find that in Acts 6 verse 4. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Acts 12 verse 5. Let's look at the other issue. Loving fellowship. The fellowship of partnership is founded upon the common denominator of Jesus Christ. They are enlisted into a group of course far bigger than their own selves and their own lives. Let's look at soul winning. A healthy, vibrant church fellowship naturally grows just as a healthy child naturally grows. But the question is, do these characteristics describe your church you attend? More importantly, because after all, a church is comprised of people. Do they describe your life? We must aim for a carefully planned programs to further a biblical vision of fulfilling the Great Commission. But programs without the power of God are empty and fruitless. As it is said, anything done in our own strength will fall miserably or succeed even more miserably. To see the power of God in our churches and spiritual growth, we need to return to dependence and yieldedness to the Holy Spirit of God. We are part of something far bigger than ourselves that preceded us. It goes back to eternity when God purposed to save sinners. It flowed through the early church and has been spreading for 2,000 years. We must pledge ourselves to fulfilling God's plan for building his kingdom throughout the world. Fellow Christians, the question remains, do these characteristics describe your church you attend? More importantly, because after all, a church is comprised of people. Do they describe your life? These are the questions you must ask. Do we have programs which are carefully planned to further a biblical vision of fulfilling the Great Commission? These are questions each and every one of us must ask himself or herself. I invite you to pray with me. Father, I praise and worship you, the God of all creation, mighty in power, perfect in wisdom, and abounding in unfailing love. Amen.
Oh, <laughs> 